0: I'm really very fortunate because planted in me by God from the time I was born again was a fear of the Lord, a fear of the Word. I had a very strong fear of Scripture. It might have even been planted in me before I was born again. I just know scripture was so important, and you did not distort scripture. You did not ignore scripture. If you ignored the word of God and failed to do what you heard to do, you could suffer terrible consequences. And from the time I was born again, God took me from Scripture to Scripture in both the Old and New Testament. In the Old Testament, you see such graphic examples of what happens to those people who fail to do the Word of God. I have really had an awe of Scripture. And I had an awe of the word spoken to me that I knew to be from God, that I must do it. There are some people, sadly, in churches who think they can do anything they want to after they're born again. That couldn't be furthest from the truth. For if you sin willfully, it says in Hebrews ten twenty six, After the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Jesus died once for all. His blood was shed that we would be saved who believed, we who believed the word. Once for all, But if you know something is a sin and you go forward and do that thing, there's no more sacrifice for your sins. I think the most you can hope for in a situation like that is that Satan would destroy your flesh so that your spirit could be saved in the day of the Lord. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, if a brother commits fornication, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. And I think you do that, turning him over to Satan by refusing to keep company with him any longer. When you find out he's done that, Sin, and he knew it was a sin. I'm basing the statement upon 1 Corinthians 5. We'll read that chapter because people fail to do this instruction all the time in churches. Instead, they want to counsel the brother who has sinned And they want to pray for him. But to counsel him will do no good. He knows what he's doing is a sin. Which Christian doesn't know that? He knows fornication is a sin. He knows adultery is a sin. Which Christian doesn't know that? Paul has another plan for us to use when we see a brother sin a sin. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned. When you see such a thing, Paul is saying, you should grieve over it. You should be very upset. You shouldn't be puffed up and say, well, I would never do that. How dare he? See, there's a difference between being puffed up and mourning over the sin. And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For verily is absent in body, but present in spirit. I have judged already, says Paul, as though I were present, concerning him that hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, When ye are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not? that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You can't allow sin in the church. It will affect everyone. Verse 7, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Verse 9, I wrote unto you in an epistle, not to keep company with fornicators yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or idolaters, for then ye must needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you, not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one know not to eat for what have i to do to judge them that are without we don't judge the people without the church they're not born again they have they live by the flesh they're under the power of satan those who are born again though are the ones we have to Judge when we see a sin. So he says, For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Don't do that. But do ye not judge them that are within the church? But them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person for he is a wicked person he is called a christian but he's a wicked person he's doing willfully things that are wicked therefore you do not keep company with a brother in christ who is a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner I've had this occur from time to time, and I did put them away from me. And they knew I put them away from me. We had a Bible teacher at one of the churches that I once attended. He was a divorced man, had not remarried. He had a wonderful personality, a great sense of humor, was very attractive, to people. People liked him. He not only taught our Sunday school class, but he had his own class on Tuesday nights. I think it was Tuesday. And I went to it. And people liked to go to his classes. He said he was called as a teacher to the body of Christ, as per Ephesians 4. Verses 11 and 12. After Jesus arose, he gave gifts to the church. Verse 8. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. From heaven, Jesus calls his ministers and puts them in the New Testament church. He identified himself as a teacher. At one point, I owned a small business in American Indian arts in a strip-type mall. Two doors down from me was a coffee shop, and this woman who owned it sold fresh coffee and beans, and I bought coffee from her. And one day, we were talking, and she mentioned this teacher, and she said, he is such a bad influence on my boyfriend, and I was shocked. And then she mentioned this teacher's girlfriend. None of us at church knew he had a girlfriend. He lived two lives. He lived a life in front of us at church, but he lived a private life where he went to bars and picked up women. When I found out about this, I went to him and I said, I have heard about your girlfriend. Do you have a girlfriend? Yes. And he was very evasive about her. So I finally said to him, are you having sexual intercourse with this woman? He said, of course. And he said it in that tone of voice. Well, of course I am. No shame at all. I said to him, oh, you know the Bible as well as I do. I can have nothing more to do with you. I can't come to your classes. I can have nothing more to do with you. And he said, That's right. And that's how he said it in that tone of voice. No problem. No shame. No shame. It was a, a tragic thing. In the early days I remember that I often quoted Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I also remember he sort of smirked at that when I quoted it. I think he was committing sin at that time, and he did not want that scripture to be a part of his life. Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord, the word, the fear of the word is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. I had in me And understanding that if you have a word from God and you fail to do that word of God, you could be putting yourself in great risk. Good things are unlikely to happen in your life. So the word of God has always been important to me. There was a woman who was raised Baptist. At her church, they asked the young people to sign a pledge that they would not have sex before they were married. She went forward and signed that pledge. At 17, she had sex with a young man with whom she was not married. She did marry him, had two children by him, and then they divorced. And then she married another man. The Bible says the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. That's in Matthew 5:32. The Bible also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10 and 11 that the following is a commandment of the Lord for women in the church. Paul says starting at verse ten, first Corinthians seven and unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband put away his wife Matthew chapter 5 verse 32 Jesus says but I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. If that divorced woman goes out and remarries, she commits adultery. So the only scriptural reason for you as a man to divorce your wife is if she's unfaithful to you. We had a man in our church group that filed divorce papers against his wife. When I found out, I called him and I said, was your wife unfaithful? He took a moment and thought about it, and he said, no. And I said, the only scriptural reason... For you to divorce a wife is if she's unfaithful. And I quoted Matthew 5.32. He apparently believed Matthew 5.32, so he withdrew the divorce proceedings from the courts. Jesus says, But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. So if you believe this word, you wouldn't do it. If you have no fear of God, if you have no fear of the Lord, and if you have no respect for the Word of God, you'll say, oh, that doesn't matter. And you'll do that if you want to. So it depends on whether you have a fear of God or not concerning obeying Scripture. A Jewish woman came across our path one time. She was very excited over being a born-again Christian. And she told us about this man she was dating. She was a divorced woman. And she hoped to marry him. And we gave her the word of God that if you are a divorced woman and you remarry, you commit adultery. And she said to us, Oh, we have our own doctrine at our church. When I heard that, I screamed out, Your own doctrine? There is only one doctrine of Christ, and it is the New Testament Bible. That's the only doctrine of Christ. So if you go against a scripture, How can it be a doctrine of a church that belongs to Jesus? Basically, it's a church of Antichrist when they remove doctrine, when they remove a scripture and go by their own thinking. It is Antichrist. It is the church of the end-time apostasy and that church will be destroyed by Jesus when he returns. For he will destroy the churches of the apostasy when he comes back the second time. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 In this section of scripture, Paul talks about the end-time apostasy that will come into the church before Jesus returns. Starting at verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day of the Lord shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Antichrist. In 1982, I was reading this scripture and God said to me, the falling away are not people leaving the churches. The falling away are the churches leaving the scripture. And that's exactly what we see today all over the world. They set up their church but they omit certain scriptures that would offend people, such as the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, such as the divorced woman who remarries commits adultery. They omit those scriptures. I have never heard that scripture taught At any church I've attended, although my cousin, who was Church of Christ, they believed that the woman could not remarry if she had a husband living, that she could not divorce and remarry. They believed that. But other than that, I've just never heard it before. I think at one time the Catholics believed that. But they fell away from Scripture. Eventually, they said, oh, we must be wrong. Of course God would want you to remarry. He wants you to be happy. No, God wants you to obey his commandments. So Paul said, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day of the Lord shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Verse 8. When Jesus returns... Verse 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Verse 10, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, the scriptures, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned, who believed not the truth, but has Pleasure in unrighteousness. They did not have a love of the scripture. They did not have a fear of God. And what would happen to them if they went against the scripture? When I was born again in 1975, my best friend came to me and said, Joni, you've got to go to church. And I said, I do? And she said, yes. So I went to the little church where she and her husband went. It was a non-denominational church in Dallas called Believer's Chapel. Their pastors, they had more than one, their pastors were professors at Dallas Theological Seminary. When I started going there, the head pastor was teaching a series of lessons on the subject tongues are from the devil I'm not even sure I knew what a tongue was and I really didn't care but he was teaching this one day I was reading the Bible and I read a scripture in 1st Corinthians 14 next to the last verse, which says, and forbid not to speak in tongues, with tongues. Paul also told the proper order of tongues, how they must have an interpreter. Otherwise, don't speak in the church. Forbid not to speak with tongues. That was exactly opposite to what This pastor was teaching. Now, are you going to choose to stay at a church where they teach opposite to the Word of God that's written in the New Testament Bible? Do you have a respect of the love of God? Do you have a fear of the scriptures and what will happen to you if you go against the Word of God? Which is more important to you, the scripture or that church that you're attending? Well, I said to my best friend, Donna, did you know that Paul said forbid not to speak with tongues? We were driving down the highway, I remember it distinctly. She put on the brakes, pulled the car off the side of the road and said, let me see that. I had a little Bible in my purse. So I found that scripture and gave it to her and she said, that is what it says. I said, well, that's not what they're teaching at church. They're teaching us that tongues are of the devil. I'm not going to go back to that church. It was easy for me to decide. I knew which one I would do. I would do the scripture rather than go to a church where they were teaching opposite from the scripture. She said, well, let's go over to my house and look at that verse in the different translations of the Bible. I said, fine. So we went over there and looked at every translation she had. Four, she had four or five and every one of them said, forbid not to speak with tongues. And I said, well, I'm not going back there. And she said, well, I'm not going back there either. A love of the word of God. Loving it more than a church. A church where flesh and blood people sit. You're friends and you have all of these associations and you have All of these activities, and you're going to leave it for the Word of God? Well, I did, as a new Christian. I didn't know much of anything. But when I saw that the church I was attending was doing the opposite from the Word of God, I wasn't going to stay there, regardless of my friendships and associations. Is that how you feel? That's how you must feel. Because when Jesus returns, he will destroy the churches that are apostate who have chosen to disregard his instruction and set up another doctrine. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Start at verse 8. Let's read that again. And then shall that wicked be revealed when Jesus returns, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. In Acts 17, it says the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they received the word of God and they searched the scriptures daily to see if what they were being taught was the truth. I'm paraphrasing that scripture, but it's in Acts 17. The doctrine of Christ for the New Testament church is the New Testament Bible. Some churches fail to follow some of the verses of scripture. And they change those scriptures and set up doctrines opposite from the Bible. Mark chapter 10. Start at verse 6. But from the beginning of the creation God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. So someone in your church divorces and remarries. How do they deal with this one flesh problem? You don't become two flesh again by a divorce paper. You are made one flesh when? When do you become one flesh with a person? Whether you're married that person or whether you don't marry that person, If you have sexual intercourse with that person, the two become one flesh. And that is what Paul explains in 1 Corinthians 6. Paul is warning the men against committing fornication, having sex with a prostitute. And he says in verse 15, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Flee fornication. That's verse 18. Flee fornication. Just as Joseph in the Old Testament ran away when Pontifer's wife tried to get him to have sex with her, he fled. He even left his clothes behind. She grabbed his robe, his garment, and held on to it as he was fleeing. And she then took that garment and accused him of trying to have sex with her and got him put into the prison. Joseph fled. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And Joseph said to her, How can I do this thing to my master? This sin against God. How could I do it to my master, who is your husband, basically? That's somewhere around Genesis 39. So, how can a Christian commit fornication, making her one flesh with him, causing her to be one flesh? when he is a member of the body of Christ. So Paul says, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So we separate from that man, who is a Christian, who is committing those sins. 1 Corinthians 5. We separate from him. And the Bible teacher at church that I told you about. Years later, I did speak with him and he said, Well fornication is no longer a problem to me. And I felt by that he was saying his flesh had been destroyed. And I think it was exactly what Paul tells us will happen in First Corinthians five, when a brother in christ is committing fornication and you take the action to say i will not keep company with you any more turn him over to satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the lord he says also do that with drunkards and covetous extortioners with anyone committing these sins, 1 Corinthians 5, 11. Now let's return to Mark 10 for a moment. Start again at verse 6. Jesus says, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain, shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And he said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, divorce his wife, and marry another, committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. Romans 7, verses 2 and 3, Paul says, For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband, so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 the next to the last verse, we'll look that up. Paul says to the church, verse 39, 1 Corinthians 7, the wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord, only. If they belong to Christ, Antichrist is to do opposite from the scriptures of the New Testament church. Antichrist means opposite to Christ the Word. You become Antichrist by going against the word of God, by going an opposite way to the scriptures of the New Testament church or opposite to the word revealed to your mind by the Holy Spirit. And the word revealed by the Holy Spirit is, I have found, never is it opposite to the Bible, for it would be... Opposite to the word and it would no longer be the Holy Spirit. It would be Antichrist. So the Holy Spirit agrees with the scriptures of the New Testament Bible. If the church has a love for the word of God, they will abide by the doctrine of Christ, which is presented in the New Testament Bible. And if they fail to do that, they become antichrist and are a church of the end-time apostasy. We had a woman in our church group who had divorced, and she wanted to remarry. This happened before she ever came among us. But she, went, she and this man that she wanted to marry went to a pastor to see if they could remarry. And the pastor said, well, I don't see any problem for a divorced woman to remarry. My sister is divorced and remarried. Antichrist in the church. He did not go with the Bible. He went by his own feeling about the situation. And that is Antichrist when it goes opposite to the scriptures. So they married and later she was born again and she read the Bible and she saw that when she, a divorced woman, remarried, she committed adultery. And she was so angry with this pastor who had told her it would be all right for her to remarry and the Holy Spirit spoke something to me he said well wasn't she already having sex with the man she wanted to marry so I went I told her this I said weren't you already having sex with the man you wanted to marry She got very quiet and then she said, yes. I said, well, it's a moot point. You want to marry this man, but you're already having sex with him. So I think she got over her anger at the pastor. She should have looked it up in the Bible instead of asking the pastor. We've all got Bibles and we can read all the scriptures about Remarriage after divorce and see what the Bible says and establish our doctrine with the Bible and through prayer and by looking up the scriptures. The head of the church is Jesus the Word. The Word of God is the head of the church. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, the Word, is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments. His praise endureth forever. The praise of men doesn't matter. It's His praise that endureth forever. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.